Straw Hut Media. You never really know what you're capable of. We limit ourselves based on the things we think we know about the world, and we're wrong a lot. When Thomas Beattie was playing football, aka soccer, being gay and being a professional athlete felt mutually exclusive. But just a couple of months ago, ESPN published Thomas's coming out story. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. First things first, today we're talking about soccer. Practically everyone else in the world calls it football, including our guest. So we're going to stick with that for the show. Oddly enough, American football has very little foot to ball contact, but that's not what we're talking about today. This is just a reminder to flip that little switch in your brain and remember that every time we say football in this episode, we don't mean American football, we mean soccer. Okay, back to our guest. Yeah, my name is Thomas Beatty. Um... I'm a former professional footballer and, uh, and a business owner now, um, and I just recently came out as gay. When Thomas says recently, he means very recently, post-quarantine recently, like less than two months ago on June 23rd. Since then, he's been busy with interviews, advocacy work, and navigating COVID-19 as an entrepreneur. Thomas started playing football when he was nine years old and signed on to a professional club within six months. Over the next 10 years, he earned a reputation as a talented and hardworking athlete. He says he loved playing football, but he wasn't really happy. And I was very under the microscope. Professional football in England is, is pretty intense and there's a lot of pressure. And, and it was all I ever really knew, really. So I, I kind of was in an environment which I don't think was really conducive for me to... Um, to kind of figure out who I really was. He went into the club and told them he wanted to make a change. And they was great with me. Uh, the club was, was really good. I'd been there since I was a really small boy, so. They helped him set up a scholarship playing football at Limestone College in South Carolina. And I just think at the time I needed a change of scenery. I, I, I'd been there for 10 years and like I said, it was all I ever knew. So I just kind of needed something fresh and, and I needed to be outside of that environment. While he was at Limestone College, Thomas became the most decorated college athlete in the program's history. But when he wasn't playing, he would sneak into the music department and play the instruments, or have late-night gym sessions with his teammates. And so the, the idle time around um, being both an athlete and a student for me was quite rare. He filled every spare minute with movement so that he would never have to be alone with his thoughts. Even now, despite coming out and embracing himself, his tendency towards motion remains. When I talked to Thomas, it was just after midnight in Singapore, where he lives. I'm a night owl. I mean, I'm, I'm sat here 12, 15, and I'm, I'm nowhere near my bedtime right now. I've always been pretty active, especially at nighttime. Growing up and throughout adulthood, football was always a great distraction for Thomas. And it was a great shield because I was completely engulfed in it. Um, you know, it occupied my, my mind throughout the whole day. You know, when you, when you wake up to, to what you eat and when you eat and when you sleep and 
training and then the gym, your whole day revolves around it um, to build up for the game. So looking back now, I, I obviously knew who, who I was and what it was, but I never allowed myself to accept that. And the, and the, the way I got around that was just trying to be busy, you know, constantly on the move. On one hand, Thomas was all in. Eat, sleep, breathe football. If he spent all his time and energy on football, there would be no time to think about himself. I'm a pretty confident lad and I always sink my teeth into everything I'm doing. So, you know, I was always trying to be better, you know, and always trying to improve in many ways. But there's always one thing that I was always reluctant to explore and figure out. But on the other hand, being really good at something tends to draw attention. Success in, in certain ways can be really scary when you're trying to figure out who you are because the more eyeballs there are on you and the more in the limelight you are, the more um, daunting it is of, you know, am I going to be exposed? Is this, is this going to come out? Am I going to keep having to answer more questions around certain things? And so I think there's a side to it which makes you almost fearful of um, the exposure that, that success brings. In both cases, Thomas saw his football career as an opportunity to prove himself. It forced me to, um, to work even harder to try and validate myself in, uh, in the eyes of everyone else. It's almost like you kind of think, well, at one point this is going to come out and at least if I succeed in these various other areas, people will be okay with it. And speaking to a, you know, a few friends who I've met since coming out, there was, you know, they've resonated with that and I really suppressed, uh, suppressed a lot of things, especially throughout my career. And I kind of used football as a, it was almost an escapism for me. But escapism is only effective for so long. Thomas remembers playing in the Champions League in Asia, the biggest club competition in the world. There were 40,000 people cheering from the stands. The game went into penalties, and then he scored the winning goal. And it was, should have been this moment of, um, of real, um, you know, expressive euphoria. And uh, it kind of just felt a little bit empty. It, it didn't feel like I, I thought it would. And I didn't want to carry on being in this space where I would, you know, start to tick off these goals and, and dreams and aspirations I'd had for a long time and and just kind of celebrate them by myself. It just felt really empty. And um, so that was kind of a real turning point for me to really start thinking, okay, I need to really understand who I am and, and come to terms with that and just allow myself to accept that this is who I am. That was in 2015. Then, nine months later, Thomas and a player on the opposing team both jumped to head the ball. They collided midair. And the next thing I knew, I woke up and I was in hospital and I was, you know, I needed a, a, a ton of surgery. Thomas had fractured his skull, cheek, nose, and eye sockets. His brain was bleeding. And then I just kind of remember going in and out of consciousness and um, yeah, that process is, is a little bit of a blur looking back. An injury like that is actually pretty rare in football. Players collide all the time, knock heads, all that. But not like this. Thomas says both he and the other player were practically sprinting towards each other. So it was, there was a lot of momentum and a lot of speed, so the collision was, was at quite a quite fast pace, so it was pretty rare. And just like that, Thomas's career as a professional football player was over. His life passion had to be reimagined, and his primary distraction from accepting himself was gone. When I came out of surgery, I thought, life is too short for this. I am who I am, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to learn, learn more about who I am and embrace that and, and figure out um, 
you know, my next steps outside of football. So that my, my journey was quite, it was a very long one, but it was, again, it was just something I suppressed for so long. And the, the, uh, the choice I made was to, to just accept who I was and, and try and embrace that and live with it. So yeah, pretty long journey for me, but I'm super content now and happy. So I'm, I'm glad it, I'm glad it ended up okay in the end. Thomas had always been resourceful and entrepreneurial. Because he had always worked hard to never have a minute to himself, he actually had a lot of interests and hobbies. I already had things that was was already, you know, things already in motion. Um, and so we just accelerated some of them. Since recovering, Thomas has become one of Singapore's most successful entrepreneurs. He heads up companies in tech, real estate, product development, and investment. This for me is an environment which I'm super happy in and and being able to, to create on a daily basis and, and build projects and build teams is um, is amazing for me. Football has an, has always been my life and, and I will always love football. I'm so grateful for it, for the lessons and experience experiences I've had from football, the friends I've met. It, it largely shaped me into who I am today. So I'm, I am really grateful for my my career and, and, uh, and my experiences within sport, but on a personal level, I am, uh, I'm the most, I'm the happiest I've ever been and the most content as well. And since coming out, Thomas has been able to finally merge the different parts of himself and live life openly and honestly. I was never really comfortable with lying. And that this was a big thing for me. I, I, I was okay with omitting the truth. But when I had to start looking at people who I care and, you know, I, I love and, and who I have a lot of respect for, and I had to look them in the eye and light, and that was not that was not cool for me. It was not something I enjoyed doing, and so I didn't want to become that person. So I'm I'm so happy I don't have to do that anymore, and you know I'm yeah I'm I'm uh, the happiest I've ever been. So super liberated, yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, can the UK pass laws to make football more LGBTQ plus friendly? Welcome back. Today we're talking to Thomas Beatty, entrepreneur and retired footballer. When he was younger, Thomas says he couldn't imagine being both gay and a professional athlete. But that's what's so funny about the limitations we put on ourselves. They're there to be knocked down. Queer people have always accomplished the same thing straight people have. We've been around forever, albeit silently at times. But for every queer person that forged a path in an unwelcoming industry, out or not, who knows how many more queer people never tried because they were afraid? You never really know what you're capable of, um, and so to to be in to be in sport, and I think sport's amazing at bringing people together, and it's also amazing to to, to learn about yourself. You know, you learn about many characteristics which carry you through life. Um, you know, teamwork, dedication, sacrifice, commitment—all these kind of personality traits which embodiment. You know, they embody successful people in any walk of life, but I think the you know the real shame would be for people to not pursue sport or not not kind of take that seriously because of who they are um, because you never really know what you're capable of and so if we don't create an environment which is conducive for for everyone and, and accepting and um, for all all sexual orientations you know we, we don't know what we're missing out on. In hindsight, do you feel that you could have come out while? being a professional athlete? Well, from the reception I've had, 
on that side definitely I mean I've had great um, support and great feedback and reception from you know old coaches teammates supporters people who I've played against um, but I'm not I'm not sure I was I wasn't ready I had not fully accepted who I was and I'd not really um, I'd not really embraced that and it's a high pressure environment and so you, you're constantly having to to work hard physically, mentally and emotionally to be at the top of your game. So contemplating adding this whole extra level of complexity on top of that is, is really daunting. So I don't think I was ready and, um, and also I think the pressure of that would have been really difficult for me. It will take some real courage for the next athlete and the next and the next to come out. Professional sports are already high pressure and high intensity. Imagine adding another kind of pressure on top of that. I mean, the pressure that, I, that it's been for me over the last four weeks has been has been cr pretty crazy. Um, and I'm I'm not currently in that environment anymore. So I think in in one respect, in terms of my my peers, my teammates, players, I, I would you know would have played against and coaches. I think that would have been okay. Um, but from the perspective of society, our supporters, our self acceptance, I don't think. Uh, I don't think I, I weren't ready, and, I, and I'm not sure that would have. Uh, I'm not sure that would have helped me. I don't think. I've gone from being massively in the closet to coming out and being almost an ally to now. I feel like I'm. I'm kind of more of an advocate, and, and I, you know, in whatever way I can be, I, I want. I want to be of value and benefit to that community, and especially for something that once petrified me. Since Thomas came out, athletes both closeted and out have been reaching out to him. Players of different sports at all levels, from professional to high school, have opened up to him about their own journeys. And I'm really happy about that as well, because I think, um, I think that would have helped me, just having somebody who I, I could connect to and, and feel, a, uh, feel some synergy with and, uh, and resonate with a little bit. That probably would have helped me and, and give me a little bit of contentment to know it's going to be okay or, you know, I can, I can kind of follow that a little bit and it's been okay for him. But yeah, there's been, there's been a lot more than I thought there would. Thomas says that even though he loves hearing the stories people share, there's also a sadness to it. You know, I've heard people say, you know, my parents have sent me to conversion therapy and I've been kicked out of the house and people saying, you know, I've been for 40 years, I'm 70 years old now. And for the last 40 years, I've been depressed and lonely and, there's a there's a there's a there's a, a nice side to it that I think that you know now there's a little bit of support or they can connect with someone who might might have been similar and they can feel a little bit of contentment in that process. But there's also a sadness to that um, in that obviously there's so many people that still struggle and and struggle like me and and even worse. So yeah, it's um, it's a little bit of a, a new a new environment for me. But I've become quite passionately. Um, I've become quite passionate about being more of an advocate and being more of a voice and just trying to do as much as I can to shed light on, on my story and, and, uh, and try and help as many people as I can. Even though Thomas has had an outpouring of support, homophobia has been a long-standing issue in professional football. And since Thomas came out, conversations surrounding what can be done about it have resurfaced. They kind of started to have these these dialogues about how to make how to make sport more inclusive and how to make it a, a more comfortable environment because 
it is an issue which has gone on for far too long in, in professional sport. Just recently, the British government released a report addressing the sport's history of homophobia and outlining ways to fight back. One recommendation is to make homophobic chants illegal by amending the Footballer Offenses Act of 1991. We've had great conversations and I'm really, um, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to have been a part of, of these dialogues and, and have an influence in that. And, and hopefully these laws will be passed very shortly, which I'm, I've been told that they will be. And to be honest, it, they should have been done a, a long time ago. The main issue, in my opinion, is not from within a dressing room of any sport. I think athletes in general are really um, accepting of different, you know, at any sport, if you play at, um, at any level of, of competition, you're around different, you're around different ethnicities, different religions, different cultures. And so I, I think that the fear is not necessarily around how will, how will my peers or teammates react. It's, the 99% of society, which you don't quite know how everyone is thinking or feeling, and and um, and so yeah, this is this would be a, a first major step in um, in creating an environment which which would feel safer for players. Being a professional athlete is a high stress occupation. You know, every every move you make is being judged by 60, 70 thousand people. If it's unacceptable to throw slurs around at your office, in your restaurant, on your film set, or in your classroom, there's no reason why a sports arena should be any different. With all due respect to the, um, the governing bodies within professional sport, um, especially within the UK, they don't have representation from the LGBT community. So I think, you know, I've been really um, fortunate and I'm and really over, overwhelmed in, in a good way to add that add, add to that, to be a, a little bit of that voice because, you know, I think it's really hard to create an environment for a group of people which you aren't a part of and you can't comprehend. I will never understand what it's like to walk a day in the shoes of somebody who is um, of, of African-American or, you know, black or brown. I, I, I will never comprehend that because I'm not that. I can try and empathize and, you know, I can try and, understand as best as I can but I can you know I've never walked a day in the shoes of, of, of that life so for me that would be it would be difficult for me to really create an environment which was wholesome um, and holistic of, of what that needs to be and so I think with with these governing bodies in uh, in within sport in the UK they also don't have that representation from the LGBT community so I think by by starting to kind of engage with myself and various other people, they, they can now start to get a real understanding of, uh, of how to make sport more inclusive. For me, it's, um, this is a really important thing and, and I, again, I'm, I'm really glad to have played a, played a role in, in uh, having some influence or a voice around that and, uh, and hopefully that will, be, that will be passed very soon, which will make it a law, which would be which would be an amazing step for the community within sport and outside of sport as well. Outside of the world of sports, there are always opportunities to broaden education and respect. In 2018, Scotland approved a nationwide mandate to implement a curriculum that teaches LGBTQ equality, inclusion, and history. The new curriculum is set to be fully rolled out nationwide by May of next year which I think is amazing and uh, it's a really forward-thinking move. And I think these things also influence sport because I think the generation who are going to come through these curriculums are going to be more exposed and more aware of, 
of different sexual orientations, which I think in turn will have, you know, will bleed through into these people will become athletes themselves. They will become supporters. They'll become general managers. They'll become coaches. Now may not be the ideal time to make a big announcement, but I've got to say, I'm glad COVID-19 didn't stop Thomas from coming out. Still, maybe because of the pandemic, or maybe for other reasons, Thomas says his life doesn't look much different since coming out. And actually, he says he doesn't crave change. His business partners love and respect him. So maybe as time goes on, I'll, I'll feel a little bit more compelled to, um, to start to create a bigger circle within the LGBT community, which is still, still fairly new for me. Thomas says that while he's interested in advocacy and open to being present in the community, it isn't something that had been on his radar before. When he came out, Thomas says it was less about finding his people and more about freeing himself. On a holistic level, my life is, I'm super blessed. I'm very fortunate. And so it was not necessarily about finding a, finding a group of people at that point, which I could be a part of, it was more, and I, I wanted to set myself free. Um, and I guess now the, the evolution of that will be, like you said, you know, becoming a part of a community and finding, you know, finding support and friendships and, and what and whatnot within that community. But again, yeah, for me, it was more, initially, it was more just, I, I just needed to set myself free first. Welcome, Thomas, to the Pride community. Come in, take off your shoes, stay a while, pour yourself a cup of tea. We are so glad to have you. So since coming out, I mean, everyone has been in coronavirus quarantine, right? So we're kind of all limited either to the internet or like, you know, immediate interactions with people that you see daily. Have a lot of gay men slipped into your DMs? <laughs> Yeah, a lot. Um, to be honest, um, even even before I came out, um, I, again, I'm in that space where it's I'm at an age now where you almost kind of people start fishing. Um, and the strange thing for me was I was named as one of Singapore's most eligible bachelors, which brought some really unwanted attention. Um, and because it brought a lot of limelight in that space, I was starting to have to answer questions, which I was like, this is so awkward. Um, and so after that, a lot of a lot of people was already trying to slide in there. But then, yeah, definitely afterwards, it's gone a little bit insane. But I try and um, I try and limit the amount of times I, I get to open some of these. But yeah, it's, uh, I think natural really probably comes with the territory. But the DM, the inbox has definitely been it's been overflowing the last well, few weeks. That at the very least has to be like a bit of an ego boost that you're like, okay, I guess I've got it going on. So <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, uh, like I said, I, I never really understood how many, how much attention it was going to receive. And I didn't really understand how many people would resonate with it. So I didn't have anything to comprehend or to go off. There's no real previous examples where I could be like, okay, this is how it's been for them. And, and so for me, I, I had no real awareness of how that was going to be so from the moment you know it went live and, and, they, and they pressed play on it it's it has been a hundred miles an hour every day but um yeah definitely an ego boost and um it's been on silent my phone's been on silent since the day I came you're just out. like i can't deal with it too much <laughs> yeah it's turned off 90 percent of the day silent 
At the moment, Thomas is staying involved in the PFA, which stands for the Professional Football Association in England. He's working to help them find more ways to create an inclusive atmosphere for the LGBTQ community. Keep up with him on Instagram at IamThomasBeatty and on Facebook. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pride. You can follow me at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. Thomas, what are you drinking? I'm drinking cranberry juice. I was going to ask. I just didn't know if that was too personal, but... (laughs)